to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. My name is Jason. I'm a friend of Andre, brother of Daniel, husband of Constance, just in case you uh, do not know. You know, I, you know as, we, as we come nearer to the year, I mean, to the end of the year, you know, I've been kind of like really thinking a lot, you know, weighing a lot throughout the past few months on this one thing called God's faithfulness. And, um, and I just want to say that this is one of those attributes of, of God that, that sets everything in place, be it like the reason, the reason why God's love endures forever because He's faithful. The reason why the promises of God is, is a yes and an amen because everything that He says, He's faithful to complete it. You have to understand the faithfulness of God is the most, which makes Him the most dependent person in our lives. He's the immovable structure and pillar in our life that we can actually place our confidence and our trust in a God who is faithful. And I'm thankful that, I, that we know of a God who is not fickle-minded. Every word that proceeds out from the mouth of God He's going to complete it. Nothing is going to return unto him void. And I'm so thankful that God's attribute is faithful. That makes him the most dependable being in the entire universe that I can put my faith in him. And that also kind of gives me this confidence because God is faithful. When I put my faith in the faithfulness of God, it actually gives me confidence to be faithful to him so that the people around me can find faith. I've been thinking a lot about my personal life for the past 18 years as a Christian, looking at my journey of being a teenager, eventually becoming a husband, and now going to handle a kid soon. And I'm just seeing, like, you know what, God? <laughs> I need to trust in you. And I realized that, I, I begin to realize that because of people in the past, People who have been faithful in the past gave me faith today. The reason why I can have faith today is because of faithful men in the past who remain faithful to God and release testimonies of God's goodness, faithfulness, mercy, love, justice, goodness, kindness. I want you to know, friends, this is one of the most underrated attributes in the body of Christ today. I just want to say that until you begin to taste of God's faithfulness, we will not. We will, we will have this... This, this challenge of staying faithful to God. But my exhortation before I go into my word is this, that as I think upon the faithfulness of God, I, re- I, I just feel like God is calling us to remain faithful. Even the year comes to an end. I feel like God is wanting to give us vision beyond this year and the year beyond that we can stay faithful to Him as we trust in His faithfulness. You know, I, for me right now in this season, I, I just kind of like say, God... I thank God for the opportunities where I can speak, I can go to places to inspire young people. But the thought of having a child coming really gives me another perspective of life. It's like now I don't just steward a company of people called young people or burning hearts or Christian. Now I have a life that I am, God has given me to steward. And how I live my life, how I remain faithful to God is going to produce faith in this child. And I realized that I have to be faithful in my witness of God. Not just on Sunday, but daily. I'm thinking a lot about that right now. I don't know why, maybe fatherhood really changes the way people think. I never expect myself to think like an old man. But 
old man dream dreams. Young men see vision. And, and I just want, I just, I just feel like even as we, as I look at my faith, I see all the hearts closing already, like I don't want to see my words. <laughs> but I just, want, I just want to come before you this, this morning. I just want to just be really vulnerable and open to you. I, I, I just feel like, you know, I really, we really need God in our lives and we always have to constantly plumb line our eyes on Him who is the stabilizing factors in our life and we just have to lean on Him and trust Him in every season. And today I... You know, I, as I was, as we were worshiping God, singing some of these songs, you know, again, this whole theme of God being faithful reminded me of my youth and now into this very moment. And I just want to say that our faith comes from somewhere. And we are living in a 21st century Christianity church. I know we have to understand that this, there's a movement that started 2,000 years ago and it's still ongoing. And it started from a handful, not really a handful, 500 Jewish men witnessing something that actually releases a movement that changed the world today. Five, 2,000 years ago, 500 men saw a real Jewish man came out from his grave, walked among them for 40 days, presenting his, his body as evidence that he's alive, that he, they saw a real man die on the cross, but then he rose from the grave, spent 40 days among these Jewish men, 500 of them. He sat down, he proved to them that he's alive, and not only that, he taught them the, about the kingdom of God, and that was the very moment where Christianity started. 500 men saw a real Jewish man flew up to heaven. And I want you to know right now, there's a real Jewish man in heaven. He's a real human being. There's a real man in heaven right now. And when I begin to worship God, there are times where I always think that God seems like a little distant reality or some cloud and some you know, energy out there. But I want you to know that as you sing to God this morning, there's a real man with real ears, with real emotions, with real soul, with a real spirit and a real body. He's looking with his real eyes and his ears are attentive to your prayers and your songs. I want you to know that you move the heart of God tonight, this morning. There's a real God who is there. And they saw a real man flew up to heaven. And I want you to know right now, there's a real God and a real man, a Jewish man whose name is Jesus, is making intercession for you. He's making prayers. And you know why the faithfulness of God is so important to me? Because I know that as long as God is, Jesus is there and He's faithful, He never stopped to pray for you and me. Until the fullness of what God has prepared for your life come to fruition. Not only that, but I also believe that there are some prayers that Jesus made in the Bible is yet to be fulfilled and He is committed to pray until it comes to fullness. Jesus is praying for you. And not only that, but Jesus is praying with a desire for you to respond to become, his, to become the answers to his prayer. And I believe right now, the some prayers that Jesus made on the earth 2,000 years ago is still being made in heaven right now. And he's talking to the Father and says, Father, I still want these people to be with me where I am. I want to bring you to the prayers of Jesus. Let's join the prayer meeting of Jesus today, shall we? Let's go to the prayer meeting of Jesus. And I want you to turn your Bible with me to John chapter 17. I'm grateful that Jesus is praying and He's faithful. 
And if you ever feel like your faith is weak, I want you to remember there is a real high priest in heaven who is making intercession for you even when you are weak. You can trust and lean on to the press of Jesus. How many of you know that whatever Jesus pray or prayed is going to be answered? How many of you know that whatever Jesus said to the Father, the Father is committed to answers, answer every prayer of Jesus? That's the confidence that I can have in the words and the prayers of Jesus. John 17 is known as the, prayer, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And I want to bring you into the one of the most intimate part of God's heart. You see, the reason why John 17 is so special to me because I, I mean, I spend many months and years, I always flip back to this page because I love to find myself in these pages and I love to be a part of Jesus' prayer meeting and I want to always draw near to the deepest part of God's heart and I always find myself coming back to this chapter again and again and just trying to imagine and to engage with the heart of God through the prayers of Jesus. And I want you to know this page, this page in my personal opinion, is one of the most holy and sacred passage in your entire Bible. Personal opinion. Don't say that Jason said it's theological and then you kick me out, I will never be speaking again. But personal opinion, I believe this passage of Scripture in John chapter 17 is one of the holiest pages or things that you can ever read in your Bible. Why? If you remember in the Old Testament, the Holy of Holies can only be entered by one man. It's called a high priest. Right? You all know that? And in the high, when the high priest goes into the very presence of God in the most holy place, one man in one year can have the privilege to stand before God and talk to God on behalf of man. It's only once a year affair by one man. And no one really knows what transpired inside. Some people die in there. They have to pull him out. Sad life. This kind of thing, I also don't dare. If I never do properly in my life or the ritual didn't do right, I cut the cow wrong way, I go in and have to be pulled out. I'm so grateful for Jesus that now we don't have to bring bulls and cattles. And I want you to know, no one knows what transpired inside, but this is the, known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. What you are reading in John chapter 17 is basically a peek into the most holy place between God the Son talking to God the Father by God the Spirit. Do you know what that is? That is before Genesis 1.1. What is before Genesis 1.1? Or rather, what is Genesis 1.1? In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. But what is before Genesis 1.1? Our peanut brain cannot jam right now. <laughs> what is before Genesis 1.1? What is before the foundations of the world? What is before creation? Anyone have any idea? It's called Genesis 1.0. No one knows. But all we knew is this. God existed before anything were created. And the Trinity were basically the Son, the Father, and the Spirit. They are in that place of union and they are in a perfect fellowship. And I want you to know this prayer that you are reading, you are peeking into something that is before the foundations of the world. It's holy. 
You get to peek into something before creation. And that's why I love to dwell there. I love to be fascinated. And if you read through the passage, you always read about these phrases there, before the foundations of the world. I want you to know that Jesus, before he went to the cross, this is one of his final words, and he's actually making a conversation with God, the Father, about something they talk about before the world began. And guess what was the content of the conversation? Do you know the content of the Godhead's conversation? You. Can I tell you this one thing? The reason why you exist today with breath in your lungs, the reason why you exist today sitting in a nice comfort of an AC, the reason why you are breathing and living today is because before the world began, someone thought of you in his mind and you, were, you exist. Someone thought of you and he dreamt of you and he wanted you. That's why you exist. Guys, this should blow your mind. You exist because God wants you to be. And what these pages contain is the very burning passion, desire of a God who wants a people to be with him forever. This is the reason of the cross. Before Jesus went to the cross, he actually made a conversation to remind the Father about something they talk about before the world were created. Let's read John 17, shall we? Are you ready to read John 17? Are you ready to join the prayer meeting of Jesus? I tell you, this will wreck your life because this chapter changed my life. And I want you to know behind this word is a real God with a real passion, with a real heart. This is not just some black and white red words in pages. Behind this word is a real God. Axel talk about the, the two disciples in the road of towards Emmaus. God himself, Jesus drew near and unpacked the scriptures to reveal himself through the scriptures. As he was talking about the scriptures, their hearts were burning. There is Invitation from God today, I believe, for you to have a heart that burns after today. My prayer is that you walk out of this place with a burning heart. John chapter 17. The first 19 verses of John chapter 17 was Jesus' prayer to the Father for His 12 apostles. We are going to skip that. They are the history now. It's good study notes for us. But you know what? From verse 20 to 26, he actually prayed for those who will believe in the words of the apostles. How many of you here believe in the words of the apostles? The fact that you are holding your Bible and you are reading it simply because you believe in the word of the apostles. It's written by Jewish apostles. This is a Jewish book. And we are right now reading the words of the apostles and I, want you to, I just want to read from verse 20 all the way to verse 24. If you can turn on to the screen, this is my slide from Pro, uh, Pro, Pro, what? Pro Presenter, yes. It's not Canva, it's Pro Presenter. This is why it says, Jesus said this, I do not ask for this only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words, that they may all be one just as you 
Father are in me and I in you that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in you, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. Before we go any further, before you get a bit dizzy by the you one, I one, we all one, he one, we one. We are all one. Before you get dizzy by that, I want you to know that this is a language that's very familiar. For those of you who are married, remember your marriage vow that very day when you got married? Remember when you choose the life partner that you're going to spend the rest of your life with and of all the thousands, I mean, maybe not so popular, of all the few choices that you have, you decided to choose that one to give your entire life, your bank account, your energy, your affections and your love, everything about you, you choose to put into one person. And then you walk, and then the, world, the woman walk down the aisle and then tears flowing through your mind. Oh my goodness, this is going to be the rest of my life. I love it. I love it, babe. <laughs> and as you walk down the aisle, you sing your song, you make your covenant, and then the pastor will begin to give a benediction. And then he said, The two flesh shall become one. I want you to know this is a language of marriage. What Jesus was praying in to the Father, he was actually telling the father says, Father, though I know that we are one, there's a family of God in heaven where God the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, we are in this one place where we are one, but I don't just want to be in this oneness. I want them to be right in the middle of us so that we can be one together. It's called family. Jesus was praying to God the Father to have a people that will be one with God. We are now part of God's family. The reason why you are called a child, the reason why you are called a son or a daughter, the reason why we are called a family of God is because someone prayed that for you to enter in. The spirit of adoption that comes upon you, he gave you his spirit and out from your spirit you cry out, Abba Father, because someone bring you in to the very holy communion with the Godhead. Someone prayed you into it. It's a language of intimacy. It's a language of union. Guys, Jesus wants you to be so close to Him. He wants you to be so a part of Him that He says, I'm going to come as a man marry into a human race. For all eternity, uncreated God put on the garment of flesh and He walks among men to show us who, what God is like. You have to understand this, friends, beloved. God is uncreated and in our peanut brain, we can never fully comprehend Him. He is known as the unapproachable light, but Jesus came to be the light of the world. He knew that nobody could know God, so He decided to put on a flesh, a garment of flesh, and walk among us to show us what God is like in human form. No one could know God, but now you can see God. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. And he decided to marry himself to the human race. Jesus did not just become transcendent and he become like back to the normal, uncreated. Forever and ever, Jesus is going to have a human frame and looks like a Jewish man forever. 
And we sang the song, the Lamb of God, He's coming back again. I want you to know there's going to come a day you're going to see a real man descend from heaven. The same way that 500 men saw him ascended, it's the same way that he's going to return back and you're going to see him face to face like a man to man, heart to heart. You can touch him, you can feel him, you can feel his beard, you can touch his Jewish hand, you can talk to him, you can feel his breath, you can look into his eyes. I want you to know, guys, you are not talking to a God who is just distant up there. He's a real man with a real desire and he wants to be one with you. And in verse, let's continue on in verse 23, that I may be in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you send me and love them even as you love me. Wait a moment. How much does Jesus, how much does God the Father love Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his only only, only begotten Son. We all know that God gave His all. He has the entire universe, but His all contains in one person. And He gave His all for you, His Son. Do you know how much God loved Jesus? He loved Jesus so much that He's willing to give up the most precious person in His life to die for you so that you can have eternal life. This is how much God loved you. He's, he said, this is my everything. He can give up heaven for you. Heaven to him is pale in comparison. Jesus gave up everything. God gave up everything for you. This is how much God loved Jesus. And this is what he says. The same way that he loved Jesus is the same intensity that he loves you. <clears throat> you see, I know this love thing can become so routine. Oh, God loves me. Until you come to a place where you get an encounter with the intensity of his heart, this will not just be, oh, Jesus loved me. Let me tell you, God's love has an emotion and is very intense and is very passionate. Do you know one facet of God's glory will cause majestic being in heaven burst into flames for thousands and millions of years? Just one glimpse of the attribute of God will cause a majestic angelic being to burst into flame for thousands and millions of years. Friends, I want you to know that you can never exhaust God. He's always fascinating. He's always, he's always captivating. There is no way you can exhaust Him. That is why Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, He says, this is eternal life, that you may know God. Eternal life is not just go heaven. It takes eternity to know God. Why? Because there's no end to God. And it takes eternity for you to know Him and it will never end. So get stretchy a bit. If you feel very challenging knowing God now, stretchy. <laughs> Enlarge your capacity a bit. Because for the rest of your life, your occupation for all eternity as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is to know Him forever. You will be constantly be fascinated and captivated by a man. Forever. This is how much God wants you and this is how much He loves you that you bring you in. And then verse 24 is the very verse that wrecked my life. You've seen me read this verse every time when I come to speak. Why? Because it is a verse that I eat. <laughs> that I eat 
for years. This verse transformed my life, transformed my Christianity, transformed my faith in God. Verse 24. Jesus was talking to the Father already. He was telling them to about telling God that I want to be one with them. Let them be one with us. Not only that, let them know that you love them like how you love me. And then all of a sudden, he say he call out his Father's name again affectionately. You see, when you when in a conversation you say someone else's name again, you know that it's a very intimate affectionate moment. It's like a moment where he's trying to capture the Father's attention again. It's like, Constance, I'll be, da, 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 we'll be one, we'll be one. But you know what? Constance. It's like, I got attention right now, you see? She was like filming me. But I say that name one more time. It's almost like Jesus was trying to capture again, to rip, to, it's like, God, I'm going to tell something so intimate right now. He says, Father, I desire that those that you have given to me may be with me where I am. Not only that, but they will see my glory. Why? For you love me before the foundations of the world. You have to understand, I believe with all of my heart, this was what transpired before, it ha- before creation happens. The son was telling the father a burning desire. He wants a company of lovers and people that will love him and to be with him forever. And Jesus, he says, Father, the reason why I'm on the earth right now is because of this. You promise me that you are going to satisfy my desire and you promise me the re- that, I, that if, I come, if I will come down and die and begin to pour my life and I know that you promise me I will remove everything that the world that is that's hindering people from loving me, I will come and I will begin to die and so that I can, you will give me a company of people who will love me. Not only that, but they will have a desire and a hunger to say, I want to know you. Show me your glory. Do you know God has a desire? Many times we come to God in a place of prayer. It's oftentimes we want God to fulfill our desire. We want you to help me with this. You want, I want God, will you begin to help us to you know, see souls come to the kingdom? To, I mean, all these are great things. But do you know that Jesus has a desire? God has a desire. He in himself is perfect in lack of nothing, but it is because of the overflow of his heart. He has a desire and he wants something. And John chapter 17 is, I want you to know that it is one of the most intimate part of Jesus' heart to make known to God the Father and you get to peek into it. And you know what, guys? This verse right here, this prayer, is God's invitation for all of us here to become an answer to it. Do you know how much dignity God has given you that you actually can answer the prayers of Jesus? Do you know what kind of dignity God has given to man that he says, I will let you answer my prayer. I'm not going to do anything about it, but I will make my desire known to the Father and I'm waiting for a company of people who will respond and answer my prayers. The eyes of God run to and fro, searching across the earth, looking for hearts. 
In Revelation chapter 1, John saw the resurrected Christ in his glorified form and one of the things he saw was an eyes filled with fire. I want you to know it's just not some nice description about you can just paint about Jesus and then put on a painting. It's a reality that John saw when he went to heaven. God caught him up and opened his eyes. He saw the resurrected Christ. In fact, at the end of the encounter, John was the one that put his head on the bosom of Jesus while he walked with him on the earth. And But when he saw the resurrected Christ in his glorified form, he said, I fell down like a dead man. When is the last time we encounter God and we fall down like a dead man losing our strength? And I want you to know these things are not just nice story for us to be inspired by. They wow, so awesome. It's God's invitation for you to say, you can have it too. These words here, it's God's invitation for you to say, God, if this is true and if this is real, I want it. Show me. Do you know why I, go, I get young people to pray scriptures and sing scriptures all the time? Because I, knew, I realized that behind these words is a God. Who has, a, who has a door ready to open up for us to enter in, to get encounters with Him behind these words. All these words frame the universe. It frames creation. And this is a reality in heaven. And I just, can, I just imagine myself as I put myself in these pages. I'm joining the prayer meeting of Jesus for six months in my life. I spend time in the prayer room taking what God says and I say it back to Him. I call that prayer. You say, Father, I desire. I say, Jesus, I desire to be with you where you are. I realize that Bible prayer, it becomes a dialogue, not a monologue. Every time I read the prayers of Jesus, I will have a response in my heart. I says, if this is what you are praying, God, make me the answer. You desire, I want to be the answer. For the first few times, it's tough. It's plain boring. It's like, oh. But trust me, if you were to sit there and eat this for months, these words will not just become mere words. It will cut right into your mind, your soul, your heart, and into your spirit. You see, you are framed by what you think here. You are filled. The reason who you are today is because you believe in things that people say over you and you eat them every day. You are not good enough, 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 not good enough. That's my life. And never regret. Not good enough. But for six months, I just say, you desire me, you want me, I'm valuable. You want me, God, you want me? Really? Even right now in heaven, you are saying to the Father, you want me, you desire me, really? And I just keep saying, God, if this is real, will you show me at this moment when you pray this prayer to the Father, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? If this is not just hap- it's not just a moment in 2,000 years ago, if it's a reality that's right now in heaven, I believe that God can still reveal His passion and His emotion to you right now. Jesus is not passive. He's active. He's constantly looking. His eyes are fire searching across the earth because why? There's a burning desire on the inside of Him. When He sees someone that says yes, He went right straight into it. Do you know why we put sacrifice on the altar? In the Old Testament, people put bulls and, co- and goats and stuff and there's fire from heaven to come and consume it. Do you know why in the New Testament, the sacrifice that God is looking for is you? 
because this has been always been his intention because we can only build an altar and put a sacrifice but God is the one that releases fire. You know why he releases fire? Have you seen fire? I'm sure you have. Have you played with fire before? Sometimes I play with fire. Don't play it, alright? Young people, don't play fire. Please don't burn down your parents' house. But have you seen how fascinating fire is? Have you tried putting paper into it? And see how the fire eat the paper? Fascinating, right? That's why people play. Uh. And you see the fire do, what does, what does the fire do? What did the fire do to the paper? It eats up the paper, right? Do you know why God wants sacrifices on the altar? Because He wants you so much that He wants to consume every part of you. There's a legend in my life when I was growing up youth ministry, we'll make this statement. And the legend is none other than my brother. He says the altar is the place where God alters your life. Credited to Daniel Chua. I still believe that. And this is a life that God has given us from the days of our youth to constantly put our lives on the altar. Why? Because He's always looking for people whom we can consume and burn. For six months, burnout youth pastor. This is one thing that I used to do a lot in the youth ministry because I learned to follow the path of great men of God in the past. If you were a Methodist or you are a Methodist, please, I apologize because I, I really love John Wesley. I really love him to bits. He's my hero. And I used to follow a quote that he really talks a lot about. He says, I'll put myself on fire and the world will see me burn. That's an awesome quote. It's so inspiring, right? <laughs> Come and see me burn! And I felt like that was what I was doing every Sunday in church. In a youth ministry, it's like... Somebody get your praise on. Come and see me burn. That was what I was doing when I was young. Like, wow, just live a passionate life. Be as energetic, as loud. And you'll just kind of showcase my talent and my passion to inspire pe young people, to make them inspire and let them see me burn. And you know what? Burn, ah, burn. I only got this much to burn. Burn out, ah. This is how we live our life most of the time, right? We come to church, we sometimes want to fit in, we just try to keep our, put our fire on and just try to show people how passionate we are. But the more we do it, the more tired we, we become and eventually, you know what? You can come into church with a life of, or name of being alive on the outside but you're so dead on the inside. Yeah. And that was my life. And most of us, we can come to church doing the stuff Look, having the form of being alive on the outside, we sing the song, we praise that name, we lift up our voices, we pray with one another, we take communion, but deep in our hearts, there's a disconnect, there's, a die, there's something inside us is dying, Jesus no longer becomes a reality, He's like a distant memory that you had when you were youth. I want you to know it's not okay. It's not okay to live your Christian faith like that. We have seen young people in the past used to be jumping the highest, you know, doing stuff in school. But you know what? The sad thing is this. We have taught them to put the fire on themselves, but they all get burned out and they are no longer in church. 
And that's really a, a grief in my heart. And I went to Kansas City as one of those who was burned out. And I thank God for the mercy of God. They picked me out from my drowning, put me in a very dry and boring prayer room. And every day I just have conversation with God with John 17, 24. You desire me to be with you where you are? And you want me to see your glory? I thought we have to beg you for your glory. Do you know Jesus wants to show you His glory more than you want? And He prayed it to the Father. I want to show them. And you know what's the, you know what's the, what's the challenge? The challenge is not to beg. The challenge is not just a, oh God, I want you to know as you make space and room and constantly respond to the first part, to be with Him where He is, to respond to His desire. Trust me, if you make that space every day, God is going to reveal His glory and you're going to have deep encounters with Him, not just on Sunday, but on a daily basis. He's just looking for people who will respond. The remedy of that, you know, I've come to find a little secret to a life that will not burn out. Do you want to know? I want you to know Singapore is a burnout society. Not just in church. In general, people are tired, people are burnt out, and I realized that I have to learn to create my own personal rhythm of life in a in the societal rhythm of life. There's a rhythm of life in Singapore that, 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 a, that the society has built and sometimes we run that rat race and we just get tired and burn out. We are a burnout society. Just look at the complaints. <laughs> out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. You know that there's no more joy. There's no more, there's no more sense of you know, gratitude. You know that as a nation, we are a burnout. People praise us. We mock at their praise. We become skeptical Jaded, you know that we are a burnout society. But you know what? I've learned in the last six years of my life, in the midst of this red race, of this busyness of life, then how can I carry that spiritual life with God and to stay connected in my heart? It's really this one truth. If God is an all-consuming fire and He burns with desire, you all know God's name is all-consuming fire, right? He burns with desire. You know that, right? The reason why God is a burning God because He burns with passion and He burns with desire for you. And I always imagined myself, and I realized this is what happened to me in that six months. God was burning with desire. <laughs> Accident happened. God burns with desire. I stopped putting myself on fire. And when I was in the prayer room as a burnout young, young adults, Thanks, Christine. And as I read that prayer of Jesus joining in his prayer meeting, and when I read once, he says, Father, I desire that Jason may be with me where I am. I want to show him my glory. I take one step closer. And another time when I read it again, I respond again in my heart. I take another step closer. And I feel a little bit hotter right now because I'm drawing nearer to the God who is burning for me. I feel an affection. And I just, I just begin to continue to persevere and I just take another step closer. And I realize the more I draw near to that prayer, 
to that desire of Jesus in my, to make space and room and my, keep my attention to talk to God and spend my time with Him, I find myself getting strangely warm. That's John Wesley. And come to a point where I realized that the more I draw near for that six months, I came to a place where I decided to stay in that fire. And I realized this one thing, guys. The, the zeal and the passion of God is the very sustenance of my life. When I stand with Him in this place where He's burning with desire for me, I don't burn with my own zeal. I burn with His zeal. Do you know how to sustain your life? Find yourself in a place where you burn with a fire that will never cease. God's passion and desire never cease. He's faithful. And I find myself in that place where just every day I just sit there and stand there and just find myself daily in that place where I can be found one, to be one with Him. And eventually, you know what's going to happen? When the world see my life, they are not seeing my passion. Because when they see me burning, they are seeing the God that's in me, that I'm in Him, that He's burned, that he, they are seeing the burning heart of God. They are seeing the passion and the desire of God. You see, what the world needs is not your passion. Your passion will cease. But what the world needs to see is that His passion in and through you. And how that happens, stay there. And the reason why six years, seven years ago, I decided to come back and begin to do this house of prayer thing is not because it's a great idea that I can make a living out of it. Trust me, you can't make a living out of building a house of prayer. But the reason why I responded and came back is simply because I, I experienced and encountered a passion of a God for my city, for my nation. I don't know if I've shared this before in, in City Church. I realize I have not shared some of these stories before in church. But I want you to know that when I was a burnout youth pastor, I, I thought I'd go to Kansas City, Kansas City to find my heart. But in then I found his heart. Seven, about, se uh, about five months into my internship, I kind of like felt free in my heart. And then at the end, God just decided to, you know, ambush me again. Because the only possession that I have left at a point of time was a MacBook Pro and a handphone. That's all I have. I sold everything to go to Kansas City and just stay there for six months. It's expensive. Then my parents weren't Christians yet, so I have to kind of like raise some funds and just come to Kansas City. Some of you helped me as well. I'm grateful. But it's in that six, at the end of the six months of internship, I only left with this MacBook Pro and then all of a sudden, the Lord just came into the room in such a manner where he's, He woke me up and says, Jason, I want to give your last possession away. Give your MacBook Pro to your roommate. I said, what? And this roommate is not the easiest roommate. You're like you, you know, you just want to get out and then move on with life, kind. <laughs> it's like you just okay. I'm going to be done already. Like I'm ready to go home, man. And then out of, of all of that last moment, I thought I'm going to celebrate and just. And then the Lord woke me up and said, "Jason, I want to give that to him." I said, "Is it you, Lord?" And I wrestled through for hours and eventually I kept, I deleted everything. It was really a struggle. I deleted everything. I put it in a bag. Next morning, I woke up a bit like tired. And, and I just said, you know, friend, I cannot, I don't name his name because Scully, he knows. I'm speaking about him. I said, friend, I feel that the Lord wants me to give you this MacBook Pro. And then he opened his suddenly, Then I see tears coming out from his eyes. And it's, I've been asking and praying for God to give me a new laptop. 
thank you. Then he went into the room and he started ministering to God, cry. Oh. I say, God bless you, man. Jesus loves you, man. I closed the door that I turned to God. At my expense, you go and encounter this guy. I say, God, what justice is this? I say, why? <laughs> he cried encountering, I cried having the sense of loss and offense. <sighs> and for three days, I go to the prayer room and I'm just crying and crying because all I have left was a, was a handphone, iPhone 4. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Oh. So, you know, when you feel broken, you cry more, right? It's like, wow, God, you're so near. Huh? Then I just begin, wow, the nearness of God is good. Like, you're all that I have, all that I want, all that I need. You are everything to me right now. It's real. It's a reality right now. Okay, let's throw this iPhone 4 away. You are everything that I need. And at the end of the three days, I remember I was in, you know, my little bunk and I I went to, I just mind my own business. My friends that were all out and then I was alone. And all of a sudden, my brother texted me because he let me go for six months to, I was youth pastoring then, but he let me go for six months to be there. And then he texted me and he said, you know, Jason, what do you want to do when you come back? At a point of time, I said, I don't want to do anything right now. I got nothing. I'm just feeling a sense of brokenness. Don't ask me this kind of question. And then, but somehow at the back of my mind, I felt like when I was, in, when I was there, everyone in that place is called International House of Prayer, so they pray for every nation, right? But they don't know why Singapore is. That's very sad. So I felt like as a Singaporean, yellow-skinned, Asian, Singaporean boy there, I feel very forgotten. And I felt like God has forgotten our nation. And for the long time, I just kind of feel like, God, have you forgotten us? You talk, you do so much thing in Taiwan, in Hong Kong, you know, in the Philippines, in Indonesia, in Malaysia, in all these places, I hear of things happening. But what is going on in Singapore? Like everyone is doing their own thing, right? We are all known for our mega churches and our events, our conferences. But I don't, there's no big like move of God, that kind of things that's happening. So I was like feeling so forgotten. And then I just kind of decided to respond to my brother, and I said to him, you know what, Koko? I don't know what I want to do, but I just want to serve the body of Christ and wash her feet. Just wash her feet. And then he just replied to me, okay, great. I was like, huh? <laughs> okay, okay, great. I was like, dude, I spent a lot of energy to put in the effort to type my iPhone 4 and respond to you. And you just tell me, okay, great. <laughs> I was mouthy, like, Ugh. And then, I just, cannot take it, right? I just respond again. No, I'm not going to let you leave it to you. Okay, okay, great. And then I just reply, I said, you know what, Koko? Let's turn the eyes of the bride, the church, and her heart back to the bridegroom. In the midst of all these beautiful things that their eyes will be captivated by the desire of Jesus. You have to understand for five months, I prayed this, for five months, I prayed this scripture for, in a prayer room. I feel nothing. But right at the point of time, it, I believe it was a manifestation of what I've been praying for five months. I remember I was in a space. It's in a toilet, yes. My wife just wanted me to say that, but just don't imagine anything. I was there. I replied him. And all of a sudden, as I begin to send the text, I felt something above me begin to open up. I felt like a gush of waterfall, waterfall hitting me and I fell forward. And I begin to go into a posture of, <laughs> of stomach pain, yes. Like woman having cramps, you know. And 
in a baby like fetus position and I begin to groan for two hours and I was feeling a certain emotions imploding in my heart and I knew that that emotions was not mine. That's what okay great to me. And I was feeling this intensity of a passion and a desire. You have to understand, I don't love Singapore that much. That I'll cry and groan for her. <laughs> then, I was one of those jaded complainers, alright? But right at the moment, I was feeling these unusual emotions imploding within my heart. And I was, feel, I was hearing this voice at the back of my head. And it says, Jason, I have not forgotten Singapore. Jason, I have not forgotten Singapore. Jason, I have not forgotten Singapore. I want her gaze. I want her heart. I want her gaze. I want her heart. And at the point of time, in the two hours that of silence, it, was, it doesn't even feel like two hours, but I just kind of felt like I was in this very dark place. I know I was in the space, but yet I feel like I wasn't in the same space. And I saw a pair of burning eyes looking right at me. And it says, Jason, the reason why I ask that I remove everything from you is because I want you to know if I were to take everything away from Singapore, this is how you will feel. Broken, vulnerable, weak, the things that you hold on to, there's one day it's going to be perished. This is what is going to happen. Everything that can be shaken, one day can be shaken, will be gone. And what you put your confidence and your trust in, is one day it's going to be gone. The, the kind of value I put into my MacBook Pro, is one day it's going to, this is what it's going to look like if I were to take them away. You are going to feel weak, broken, vulnerable, wretched. God can give and He can take. And I want you to know how it feels like because Singapore, at this point in time, have a lot of things we hold on to. Our resources, our brand, our intelligence, our businesses, our influence, our affluence. But if one day everything was gone, this is how the church, the people of God will feel like. And it says, I want her gaze. I want her heart. And it's in that moment, I begin to feel this unusual intensity of God's desire. You see, for the first five months, I, I felt free because I experienced His love for me and I felt like I'm a free man until you take away my MacBook Pro. And at that point of taking my MacBook Pro away, I begin to feel something that's not just me, but I feel something for my city, my home, even my family. And I want you to know that there is a real God up there who really wants to make known His desire for our people. You see, you want to love your city and transform your city. This is our passion statement, right? This is our vision, right? To, to, as it is in city, is, um, <laughs> in the city, for the city. In the city as it is heaven. Along that line. You want... <laughs> I repent, Pastor Andre. <laughs> And I realize this one thing, that with our own human zeal, we can never do it. But I feel like God is inviting all of us as a company of people, as a family here, to draw near to His desire for our city. Not just for our city, even for you. Some of you here, you can't even love your cities because you can't even know, you don't even know how much God loves you yet. You are disconnected in your heart. There's no reality of God. And when there's no reality of God, you, don't, you will never witness God. You cannot witness what you do not have or do not know. And I feel like today God has given us an invitation 
to find that connection again. Don't make church a place you come and just meet around, have some, do some of your duties, and then just live back as per normal. I want you to know there is a real God in heaven. His eyes are constantly looking for hearts, and He's looking for people who will be an answers to His prayer. There's nothing more satisfying to be found in this place. And this morning, as I was just praying for all of us in this room, I just feel like God is, I mean, it's, that's for some of us here, you struggle hard in your heart, in your faith in God. You feel like, you know what, God, is this really worth it? Is this really real? I come in, I try to believe as much as I can. I hear great sermons every week, you know, but how what, that reality, how is it, is it even real? I just don't feel that connection. My heart is so distant, but I want you to know, friends, God is inviting you to in, not based on what you can do, but because, simply because Jesus has prayed and all you, can, all you need to do is to respond to this prayer. How do I do that every day? I just show up. I just show up before God. Sometimes we complicate things a lot. We think we need to do a lot of things to get there. But you know what? All you need to do is to simply show up. You know how I show up? I close my eyes and I say, Jesus, here am I. I give Him my attention. And at a moment when I give Him my attention, I, show, I shower my affections. I say, Jesus, I want to know you. You can do it not just in your closet, you can do it in your train station, you can do it in your offices. There can be moments with God. I, tell, I want to tell you this one thing. Sometimes the most impacting moment that I have with God is not here, it's not in services, it's when I was alone at home, when I was overwhelmed by circumstances and when I just closed my eyes and I says, God, help. Show me your glory. I want to know you. Here am I, God. I want to be with you where you are. Will you let me know how you feel towards me? I feel sucky right now. I feel like I'm not of any worth. The world tells me that I'm this. The world tells me that I'm dead. But I need you to let your word define me right now. God, how do you feel about me right now? Shower me with your affections and emotions on me right now. God, I want to know. I tell you, you will just experience that one time, two times, three times, four times. Trust me. That's going to change your life. And today, I feel like God wants to reconnect some of your hearts. Some of you here, in the days of your youth, that is all that you remember. The reality of God. This is why I always tell the young people this. I said this. This is the vision that I put in my own life, in my wife's life, and even for my kid's life. I want to model to my children and my family how passion looks like. Not just in the days of my youth, but when I'm old. That when my hair grows white and gray and when I sit on that rocking chair <laughs> oh man at the mention of that name that I will still have tears move thing down from my eyes my heart is it will still be moved by him you see I love this quote by Mike because his radical Christianity is not what you can do or what mission trip you can go for radical Christianity looks like this faithful for the decades that at the end of your life, I think that's my phone. Oh no, it's not mine. That at the end of your life, that you die burning. 
You know what's the most powerful thing on the earth? It's not fireworks and spark. It inspires and gets us excited for a while. But one of the most, one of the vision I will give to my own life is that I will be a candle that will burn steady with the span of my life that I have on this earth, that even in my mere existence on the earth, that my life will burn bright with a passion for Him, that my life becomes a witness of His worth. I don't want to be a spark. I don't want to be a fireworks. I want to raise up a company of young men, old men, not so young, not so old, all kinds, that they will be, have a vision for their life where they will be like a candle that will light as long as they can on this side of eternity. That even we don't see the return of Jesus, we die burning. That when we see Him face to face, that He may look at us and say, well done. You have been faithful. I realize this one thing. My role is not to make the world love Jesus. My role is not to try to convince and make the world love Jesus. My role is to be a faithful witness of who Jesus says that He is. The world will hate Him and the world will love Him, but my role is to be that beacon of light that stays steady in my witness of Him, that my passion will exemplify that, that I will not be moved by the persuasion or the lure of the world, but I will stay steady in response to His desire and I say, God, keep me burning. Will this be your vision for your life? Will this be the very testimony of the church in the city that God will give us a lampstand that will burn until He returns? So tonight, I just, this morning, I just want to invite you to respond to God. I, especially for those of you here that you kind of like identify a little bit that you come to church, you feel like you are doing all the right stuff, but yet your heart is very disconnected. You feel like there is no, there's a distant reality that is no longer something that's as real to you. You just become a motion that you go through week in and week out. Friends, it's not okay. But I want to tell you a good news. Jesus has prayed and He's made a way open. And it's by the blood of the Lamb that we can now come boldly. The blood of God, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. He says that you are qualified to draw near. You are qualified to stand right into the fire. You see, you see the same fire that God gives us to give us passion is also the same fire that burns away the dirty stuff in our life that removes everything that hinders love. You have to understand, God wants every part of you, nothing hindered. And sometimes to draw near to God is very scary. Why? Because there's going to be things that are going to burn away. But it's for our good. It's okay to lose some things in this side of eternity in, in light of what is ahead of us on the other side. But God wants, at the end of the day, it's a heart that's fully in love. He said this, He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. You know what? It's a great commandment of God, but more than just a great commandment, it is also a declaration that is going to have a people that will love God with all of their heart, soul, mind and strength. Whatever God said from His mouth is not going to return unto Him void, which means this, Jesus is committed to raise a people who will love Him wholeheartedly. And He's committed to remove everything that hinders love. But you trust Him. Don't be afraid to stand in the fire. 
It's painful for a while at times to lose things, to give up things for the sake of God, for the sake of love. But at the end of the whole journey, you're going to see a better you that God has ordained you to be. Friends, don't pursue inferior and neglect the superior. There's something far more superior that God has given to us through His Son. And this is the invitation that God has given to us through the prayers of His Son. I want you to know right now, Jesus is praying that prayer right now. He said, Father, I desire the city may be with me where I am. That I want to show them my glory. Father, I desire Aloysius to be with me where I am. That I may show him my glory. Father, I desire Jonathan to be with me where I am. That I may show him my glory. Father, I desire Constance to be with me where I am. This is what I paid for on the cross. You know the big, the, the, the greatest manifestation and picture of that desire looks like this. A man with arms wide open, heart exposed, messed up, bleeding, body on the cross. Do you know that very, the very thing that hangs, that, hung, that hangs a man between heaven and earth with arms wide open, heart exposed, is the very embodiment of this prayer. Jesus says, Father, I desire that those that you have given to me may be with me where I am. A man hung on that cross with arms wide open, heart exposed, and he's so messy in his broken bodies. He's bleeding. He bled for you and for me. He's not ashamed of your brokenness and your weakness. All he wants is a responsive heart that will draw near and says yes. And this is what he wants from you. A heart that will say yes to his. When I said when I gave Cons my few thousand dollars wedding ring and when she gave me that yes, something within my heart loose. Do you know you actually can move the heart of God? Do you know whenever you give Him your yes, even though your yes may be weak, even though sometimes Cons find me hard to love, but yet He still say, yes, I love you know that still moved my heart in fact that kind of love moved me even more because that shows commitment and I feel like tonight regardless of where you are at right now your yes to God may be weak God may be a distant reality you feel this disconnect but I want you to know whenever you take that step to show up and say yes to your desire He's moving